You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here, as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill. Coming off the bye, the Patriots are 8-1, and one, getting ready to get back to work, continue with the meat of their schedule. Big game against the Eagles coming up on Sunday. But first, Rich Hill, how are you, man? How was your bye week? Oh, it was fantastic. It's always great to go on a bye week and watch the Patriots keep on winning, even if they don't even take the field. Uh, you couldn't imagine a better week with the Bills losing, the Chiefs losing, and both the the Dolphins and the Jets pulling off victories. This was the absolute just mwah, chef's kiss kind of a bye week for the Patriots. Yeah, it really was. This tends to happen a couple times a year for the Patriots. They don't play or they don't play that well and still get a win or a loss. And everybody else kind of loses as well. Uh, I didn't really watch much football this past week, Rich. Like you, I was enjoying a, a week off from this league. It's kind of nice to have that break once in a while, especially late in the season. However, looking at the score with scoreboard, I should say, with the exception of the obvious win, the Ravens over the worst team in the league, Cincinnati Bengals, Pretty much every game we needed to fall the Patriots' way fell their way. The Chiefs lost to the Titans. The Bills lost to the Browns. The Colts lost to the Dolphins, Rich. How does this happen? <laughs> uh, no, it's because Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, yeah. this is Miami Dolphins team is only a few games out of that playoff hunt. They will absolutely finish 9-7 and seven now. <laughs> and uh, they just really be stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick for another year. That's just part of the cycle. I, I mean, this week was pretty interesting overall first the the 49ers fell from they were the last uh remaining undefeated team they lost to the seahawks in overtime on monday night football 27 24 so there are no longer any undefeated teams uh i, I don't know about you but whenever the the patriots are not undefeated i'm always kind of just rooting for that last undefeated team to fall because even though the 2007 patriots did not win at all i still kind of like the fact that they were the only team in nfl history to go 16 and 0 in the regular season so i kind of like that no i do too i'm also glad the patriots are not going to go 16 and 0 again cuz i never want to relive the 18 and 1 fiasco for as long as i live and it just makes it that much worse so i'm glad the patriots did it once I've over it, I've healed from it, and I'm glad that's never going to happen again. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time going around the league, Rich, because we've got to talk about the week coming up and the Patriots-Eagles game in this podcast. But the one game I want to circle a bit and chat with you about is the Chiefs-Titans game. Um, Patrick Mahomes is back. He seemed to have a very good day stats-wise. But the Titans, who, unless I'm mistaken, Rich, are not that good a team, managed to pull off a victory against what many folks were considering the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Did you watch this game? What happened? Are the Chiefs legit? Are they contenders, pretenders? What's going on there? Yeah, so a couple big things happened. Is First off, the the Titans managed to have a defensive score. Uh, Rashawn Evans returned a fumble, returned 53 yards for a touchdown. They didn't get the extra point, but that put the Titans on top 13-10, to 10, and getting those sorts of scores are going to be incredibly important when it comes to going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense because, honestly, Mahomes is out of his mind good. He completed 36 out of 50 of his passes, so that's 72% completion rate for 446 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. He is outstanding. This uh, this Chiefs offense is very, very good, and uh, the one and most fatal flaw for this Kansas City team 
is that uh, their defense continues to be atrocious. No matter who they have on this team, they just seem to be awful. And so the big part is that Derrick Henry, just the behemoth running back for Tennessee, had 23 carries for 188 yards and two touchdowns, including a 68-yard run that, that put the Titans up 20-19. to 19. So the ability to run against the Chiefs is something that we've seen in the past that has continued on into this year and will continue onwards. And so the big takeaway for New England is that, sure, I expect their defense to fare better against the Chiefs than the Titans' defense did, but I cannot count on the Patriots offense to run the ball as well as the Titans did and so there's about three weeks on the schedule that the Patriots had they got the Eagles week and then they got the Cowboys and then they got to go uh got to get prepared for the Texans so they have three weeks to bolster their offensive line and really improve their running game so come week 14 against the Kansas City Chiefs Sony Michelle and the Patriots will be able to run the ball as well as the Titans did Here's hoping, man. That is a long time in football years, that those weeks, but that's a pretty tough slate of games coming up on the docket, uh, which is good to transition as any into the week that's coming up in the NFL. Uh, the Chiefs, who we just talked about, will be on Monday night against the Chargers, which should be a pretty interesting game. Uh, a couple other good games on the slate. The Texans are going to Baltimore to play the Ravens. That should be a really good matchup. The Steelers are playing the Browns, which was a good matchup uh, tonight at 8.20 p.m., but I think that's kind of a, a lackluster performance now, given just the way both teams have kind of underwhelmed this season. Uh, two real marquee matchups coming up. Uh, the Jets are going to the Washington Redskins, and the Bills are playing the <laughs> Dolphins. Should be a very strong showing from the AFC East in Week 11. Oh, my gosh. If the Jets lose to Washington, they need to fire Adam Gaze right away. They need to just <laughs> just throw the entire front office and coaching staff out of the building. They need to sell the team to someone completely different. Jeff Bezos, I don't know who. They just need to do something completely different because this New York Jets team has just come so short of every single expectation that people had for them this year. Uh, but then uh, the Dolphins, on the other hand, I would not be shocked if they upset the Bills down to Miami because first off, Miami, best home field advantage in the NFL. And the Bills, not a very good team. So this is a Dolphins team that currently, I'll mind you, has the longest winning streak in the AFC East. So that counts for something, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I feel like every season this happens, not every season, I should take that back, but there are these seasons that are scattered throughout the 21st century for the Buffalo Bills. Where they start out so hot. They're like 5-0 and or 4-0 and or 5-1, and and everyone's all hopped up on the Bills, and then they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. It's almost like clockwork, and I, I totally agree. I totally see the Dolphins winning this game. The Ryan Fitzpatrick cycle is on the he's good portion of it. They're going to ride that to like the number six pick in the draft, and I couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> uh, Texans-Ravens, Rich. Ravens obviously just beat the Patriots, beat them pretty handily. They just curb-stomped the Bengals. It's the Bengals, obviously, but they are a very legitimate contender. They are a threat for the number one seed in the AFC right now. Texans are a playoff team as well. How do you see this game going? Yeah, it's going to be tough because it will be in Baltimore, so that means that uh, the Ravens will have a distinct advantage, especially because Baltimore has one of the better home field advantages in the NFL as well. I know I just mentioned that for the Dolphins, but the, the Ravens have another good one on their end. Uh, if I am the New England Patriots, I'll be rooting for the Houston Texans to win just because I want the Ravens to fall back a few games of the Patriots in the standings because Baltimore has the head-to-head -head tiebreaker, and that means right now New England only has a one-game lead over the Ravens. And so a Texans victory would 
give New England some distance, and then hopefully in three weeks the Patriots will be able to beat the Texans in order to you know maintain that advantage in the AFC. How I see it actually playing out, I have no idea. Lamar Jackson is, in my mind, one of the, the top five quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, just from the value that he provides to his team, he is unreal. He, he is doing such a great job for this Ravens team, doing exactly what it is that they need him to do. On the other hand, Deshaun Watson is another one of those great quarterbacks. He's a top 10 quarterback. So this is a pretty evenly matched team from an offensive perspective. It comes to the defensive side of the ball where the Ravens are seemingly getting their reinforcements. Marcus Peters has been a revelation for them at cornerback. They're getting Jimmy Smith back uh, at cornerback as well. So they have some good depth in their secondary. And it's a matter of will the Texans be able to run the ball with any success against a very good uh, defensive line from a defensive run stuffing perspective of the Baltimore Ravens. And so I expect Lamar Jackson to get his. I think at the end of the day, the Ravens will still win this one, and it will be uh, somewhat thing like a 27 to 21 sort of game. Yeah, I agree with you, unfortunately. I'd like to see the Texans take this one, but it's going to be a tough ask. Even though the Texans are coming off the bye, extra week to prepare, but the Ravens had a mini bye last week as well with the Bengals anyway, so it doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> um, that's probably the game of the week, uh, Texans at Ravens. However, the Monday night game, Chiefs versus Chargers, Chargers are a team, as usual, Rich, I just can't figure out for the life of me. Chiefs coming off a pretty embarrassing loss at Tennessee. I see the Chiefs bouncing back here. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, this is a very seemingly straightforward game. I mean, I, I would expect the Chiefs to win this one because they have a really good offense. Patrick Mahomes is back, and even though their defense is not great, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the Chargers have the type of offensive ability to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. That said, it would be absolutely on brand for this Chargers team to somehow win in a slugfest against the, the Chiefs, whether there's some sort of defensive standout. This, this Chargers team could pull it off at home. Not that they have any home field advantage whatsoever, but this is a Chargers team that shocked the Green Bay Packers just two weeks ago. They just walloped them 26 to 11. Then they, you know, they went on the road the week before and beat the Bears, which is not a, a big thing to do, but that's a stout defense and that's just showing that they can go against some of the better units in the league and just manage to come out with a win. So this is a Chargers team that I would not trust whatsoever to win, but if come, um, you know, Tuesday morning and people are like, oh my gosh, did you see how the Chargers just absolutely crushed the Chiefs? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not surprised. I'm not too surprised. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, again, the Chargers, I feel like I've been like a broken record. I just can't figure them out. They won 12 games last year. Uh, it's easy to forget that. Um, but, you know, they were in the same division with the Chiefs and the Chiefs got all the credit. I hope the Chargers win. I'd like to see the Chiefs have to go on the road for the entirety of the playoffs. We'll see what happens there. Um, but, that's not the focus of this podcast. It's the Patriots podcast, Rich, so we should probably talk about Patriots-Eagles. Now, the last time the Patriots played the Eagles, uh, Tom Brady threw for like a million yards and 10, 10 TDs, and they still lost the game courtesy of a uh, – anyway, I don't get into it. All news. <laughs> However, the Eagles are another team that I can't quite figure out this season. The NFC East is such a mess, I feel like. The Eagles are probably the best team in the NFC East, the most consistent team, but they're pretty mediocre. Uh, I don't really have a lot of game tape on them in my personal library, but 
Uh, I come to this game thinking the Patriots have a lot to prove, and the Eagles do too. And I feel like this is a pretty important game for both teams, even though technically it's not, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, outside of the conference, it's the, probably one of the lower leverage, lower importance games for each of these teams. But the Eagles need to win this one if they want to keep pace in this extraordinarily weak NFC East division, especially knowing that they already lost to the Cowboys in Week 7. And that's kind of where I stand with this Eagles team is that they're not good. Uh, they beat a Bills team that I don't think is very good. And then they also beat a Packers team in week four. So they deserve credit for that. But they also got absolutely destroyed by both the Vikings and the Cowboys, who are two good teams in the NFC. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, this Eagles team, I would say they are exactly middle of the road, whether it's offense, defense, whatever it is that you want to look at. This is a very average team. And it kind of comes out on the field as well. They have a, a fine defense, but it's not overwhelming. Their secondary is pretty weak. And they just make up for it by having an outstanding defensive front. Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, one of the better defensive end tandems in the entire league. Fletcher Cox, one of the best defensive tackles in the entire league. But you go to the other side of the ball. They just don't necessarily have uh, any wide receivers whatsoever. So, I mean, this is a team that I... I I see that they are average and it makes sense to me. And I just don't know what the upside is for them. All right, Rich, it's a lot to unpack here. So you started with a strong defensive front and that's probably where the Eagles strength is. And I agree with you there. Now, the problem with that to me is the Patriots biggest weakness at this point is their offensive line. So the biggest strength of Philadelphia is going up against the biggest weakness of New England coming off a pretty piss poor performance against the Baltimore Ravens. They had the bye week to adjust and correct. Still a week away from Isaiah Wynn coming back. So the guys we saw against the Ravens are the guys that will be out there on Sunday against the Eagles. What do you do if you're Josh McDaniels and Dante Scarnecchia? How do you protect Tom Brady and keep that defensive front from all those sacks? Yeah, well, you do what you kind of have always done in these sorts of situations where you don't trust your offensive line to get the job across, and that is to throw to your running backs. And uh, that is something that they might not be able to capitalize on fully against this Eagles team who have opted to put a safety at linebacker in uh, Nathan Gary, who is you know a solid size, gives him a little bit more ability to go sideline to sideline when being tasked with covering the running backs. And so for my money, this is a going to be a big Rex Burkhead game. And that's my X factor for the day on the Patriots offense because I trust James White to do a good job catching the ball out of the backfield. I assume that he will get his own, but the versatility that Rex Burkhead offers the Patriots allows them to not only target him out of the backfield against this Eagles uh, linebacker core because that is what the Patriots will have to do to quickly counter that pass rush but if the Eagles say all right well we will just go lighter to defend Rex Burkhead whenever he's on the field that gives him a bit of an advantage when it comes running up the middle because I trust him a little bit more as a runner against heavier packages than I do James White that said I don't want to, to say that it's a gimme because that's exactly what I said the Patriots needed to do against the Baltimore Ravens last week and that did not come to fruition uh, you just have to hope that the game script does not get away from the Patriots so they can dictate a little bit more of how the offense is going to play so speaking of dictating about how the offense is going to play, I feel like I speak for a lot of Patriots fans when I say I'm very eager to see what Nikhil Harry can do at this point in his young career. Been on IR for all the season. People were very high on him coming off the draft, first-round pick. This game is not one 
for me where he's going to have this bust-out game. Uh, however, do you think he'll be a factor at all in this game, or will he get a handful of snaps, a unique package, or we have to wait for Nikhil Harry? What's your prediction in terms of his active level, activity level, and contributions? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so I have a question for you, too. I don't know if this has been a media concoction or this is just how things have been playing out, but it seems like there hasn't been the same sort of praise for Nikhil Harry from like the coaching staff and players, and it really sticks out to me uh, with how the other players talk about him. And so I, I kind of want to like, I, I'm not sure what his role will be. In my head, I think that they'll really have to rely on Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, and Mohamed Sanu. I feel like that is going to be the trio that plays the majority of the snaps for the Patriots at wide receiver. But when you hear like, not just the coaching staff who are like, I mean, he hasn't proven anything, so he needs to get better. Like he has been every single day. I feel like both the coaches and the players have avoided talking about Harry directly, even just being like, you know, it's nice to have another player, like get back in the middle of the season, you know, this like even without heaping expectations onto him, it just seems like the players and coaches have been avoiding talking about him. And that just gives me the sense that I don't think he's going to, contribute immediately and maybe we'll start seeing a little bit more come postseason but i think that there needs to be a lot more ramp up before we can expect harry to contribute on offense i completely agree with that i mean i don't think it's really fair for any receiver drafted by any team in, in the first round to be expected to come in and just pick up the offense like that uh it's just a very big jump from college to the pros and the Patriots offensive system is a very unique one very difficult to learn very difficult to be on the same page with Tom Brady and that takes more than a season you see even you see even veterans that come in here and they can't quite pick it up so I am under no delusion that Nikhil Harry is going to have you know 10 catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns every week because I don't think he is uh what I am hoping he does is at least offers a big body on the field, maybe a red zone threat. Maybe you can catch a, a, a fade route in the end zone here or there. So I can see him maybe getting three touchdowns on the year in the regular season. I don't think there'll be this this Nikhil Harry package. I think they'll ease him into the system. I do agree with you that that's Muhammad Sanu, Edelman, and maybe Philip Dorsett going forward. But it's also my offensive X factor, which is Ben Watson. Uh, I Ooh. think he's pretty much been the only consistent tight end that's been out there all 38 years of him. And in a, a Eagles defensive front, it's going to be very chippy and very aggressive. He's not the best blocker, uh, never was, but uh, I think they'll might need him to chip a little bit more at the line on the edge rushers. And I think Ben Watson up the seam might have a, have a lot of success against the, the Eagles. But I don't see Nikhil Harry doing a whole lot either. Ooh, I like that, though. I think that the Patriots have really needed their tight ends to step up in a way that they just haven't this year, simply because they haven't been available. Uh, Matt Lacoste has been continuing to deal with his injury. Ryan Izzo has been, uh, you know, a limited factor for them as well. And then Watson missed those first four weeks of the season. So I like that. I, I mean, the, the Patriots will absolutely utilize their tight ends to slow down that pass rush. And if it's not just the running backs chipping on the edges and then leaking out, that will be Watson. That will present opportunities. I, I can see him having a solid day uh, it, like relative to other tight end performances this year. So I like that a lot. Um, my big concern with this Patriots offense is... I feel like they're kind of average. Alec, you and I were talking before this podcast started that there just seems to be something that isn't clicking with this Patriots team. And that's not a, not anything new. We saw the same thing last year before they decided, you know, we're going to be a running team and it really worked for them. 
what is going to happen with his Patriots team? Because they ha- there has been a revolving door at wide receiver, Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, on and off the field. You know, Demarius Thomas was here for a, for a cup of tea as well. And now you have Mohamed Sanu, Philip Dorsett, Juliana Edelman. I don't think they want to rely too heavily on rookies, Jacoby Meyer and Nikhil Harry, and especially Gunnar Olszewski. So what is going on with his Patriots offensive identity? Will they do anything to establish it this time against the Eagles, or what does the future hold for them? I have absolutely no idea, Rich, and I don't think anybody does. And I think, again, if we were to go back and check out what exactly you and I were saying this time last year, probably the same thing. I don't think they really became a running football team until mid-December. So maybe this is the beginning of the new McOffense. Maybe it's a 11 personnel. Maybe that's what we saw against the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of it was necessity, but maybe that is their their base offense. They're going to have all kinds of crazy creative packages out of 11 personnel. Maybe as Sanu gets more and more ingrained into the offense, the offense kind of runs through him with Edelman being the engine. I don't know. Um, maybe it'll be a short passing offense, but whatever it is, I do have every confidence that come playoff time, they will have figured it out. And it's especially nice because there's – extra time this year because even though they hung up what 37 on the defense the Ravens did uh before the bye week I still think this defense is elite I still think they keep the Patriots in games late if they have trouble moving the ball and I think they will get back on the horse so to speak against the ball uh the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend I am not worried of the defense at all all right awesome well okay speaking of the the New England defense how do you think they match up against this Philadelphia Eagles offense yeah, I mean, look, you, you mentioned it. They have Alshon Jeffrey and Jordan Matthews, um, who are okay wide receivers. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey had a lot of potential. I think he's been very inconsistent, injury plagued. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a name that you may have heard of, but I don't think there's really a Patriots defensive back that doesn't win the one-on-one battle against any of these receivers. And I'm very curious to see what the Patriots linebacking core and defensive line does against Carson Wentz because he's been very skittish back in the pocket. Uh, this this season especially. So I think it's going to be a lot of confusion up front, a lot of that state worker defense you talked about, or one guy's hands on the ground, a lot of guys standing around. I think the defense has used this bye week to get angry, and I think they're going to be very aggressive and pressure the, 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 the Eagles a lot. And I'd like to see it get out of hand early. I'm not going to predict that just yet, but I can see them getting a lot of sacks and forcing the Eagles to go very short with their completions, but I don't think really is the the strength of any of the receivers. So if they're forcing a lot of checkdowns, Darren Sproles, who's still in the league somehow, God bless you, Darren <laughs> Sproles. I think he would be a great Patriot. I feel like he's the kind of guy you got to watch out for because the receiving backs out of the backfield might be – just like the Patriots are going to have that strategy, uh, according to you. I think they might adopt a similar philosophy to prevent uh, any kind of defensive getting Carson Wentz early. So it might be a lot of short passes for both teams, not many offensive possessions. So it's all about if the defense can get there quick enough. Yeah, well, uh, the guy that I want to watch out for uh, didn't really play too much against the Chicago Bears in Week 9, but uh, he has the best name I've ever seen, Boston Scott, running back. Uh, <laughs> this seems like the game that he would break out in, right? I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with this, your analysis of them. There isn't too dominating of a wide receiver with the Eagles right now because Alshon Jeffrey has been battling an ankle injury, uh, and then Aguilar is a slot receiver. He's going to get matched up in my mind against Jason McCourty and then you'll have Alshon Jeffrey on the outside if he's able to go and he'll get the matchup against Stephon Gilmore uh, and if not then I can see Gilmore getting matched up on Zach Ertz who's very much just like a big slot receiver coming out of that tight end spot not a big blocker but he is the top target for Carson Wentz and 
with that in mind, I would see uh, Stefan Gilmore being the Patriots' top defensive back, getting that matchup, uh, and that would allow Patrick Chung to get the the other matchup against Dallas Goder, their other tight end. But the way I view this Eagles offense is how much they rely on their running backs. And so they have Miles Sanders, who's more of their receiving back, but he's also a good runner between the tackles. He leads the team in yards from scrimmage, over 300 rushing, 300 receiving. Uh, And then there's Jordan Howard, who is kind of their bellwether uh, running back between the tackles. But you're only going to have one of those guys on the field at any given time. So if the Patriots are able to confound Carson Wentz, and I think they might be able to with their, uh, their ability to generate pressure, they don't have to worry about Carson Wentz's mobility in the same way that they had to worry about Lamar Jackson's. And that's not saying that Wentz is not mobile. He's definitely able to get out and escape. But there just isn't that same dynamism out of this Eagles offense that we saw out of that Ravens team that was able to capitalize on the Patriots with all of that misdirection and just just winning with sheer athleticism. And that's not going to take place here. And uh, that's kind of why my X factor is going to be uh, Jamie Collins because he does have that athleticism. He's going to be tasked with making sure that Miles Sanders does not get free in the open field as a receiver coming out of the, like as the running back, probably making sure that Carson Wentz doesn't escape the pocket and definitely being tasked with generating some pressure. So I'm going to go with Jamie Collins as being the Patriots X factor for continuing his all pro caliber season and really just being a one man wrecking crew against this Eagles offense. Love me some Jamie Collins. I'm going to go along the defensive line and go Lawrence Guy as my X Factor, uh, mainly because you mentioned about the running game, how the Eagles love to utilize the running game, set up the play action, go to their backs, rely on their backs. Uh, the Patriots have been gashed the middle for the past two weeks, the Browns and the Ravens. I'm sure the Eagles are watching that tape. They had two weeks to prepare for it. They might go for a lot of middle runs. I need Lawrence Guy to eat up some space in the middle, maybe take some double teams on, allow Dante Hightower, allow Jamie Collins allow Kyle Van Noy to get in there and, and block the gap. So I need a big game out of Kyle Van Noy with a honorable X-Factor mention to Danny Shelton as well. <laughs> I like that a lot. I mean, the Patriots definitely need to have a rebound game on their defensive front, stopping the run, being very stout up there. Uh, but with one last thought on the Patriots defense, Alex, trying to continue on with one of the segments that we started a couple weeks ago. How is the Patriots defense or special teams going to score this week? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, you know what? I think Gunner is due for a punt return touchdown. Hasn't Ooh. happened yet. He's been kind of fail, uh, fair catch happy as of late, which I would rather take over going Edelman and, and, and never fair catching. But I think Gunner is shifty enough, elusive enough. He'll get a special teams touchdown by a punt return this week. That's what I'm going to go with. Oh, wow. I like that. We are overdue for a special teams touchdown. Uh, that doesn't involve some sort of fumble. So I like that. I'm going to go stick with my defensive X factor. I think Jamie Collins gets his pick six. He has been a machine. Oh. Four passes defended, two forced fumbles, six sacks over the year. I think he's going to force a fumble, recover it, and return it for a touchdown. Uh, and that'll really put the game away for the Patriots early on and, uh, and set the score in a pretty comfortable direction for the Patriots. Well, putting the game away and setting the score is a pretty sweet transition into predictions, Rich Hill. Uh, Patriots are playing the Eagles this Sunday in the afternoon slate. Last time we were together, you had the Patriots beating the Ravens 27-21. I had the Ravens beating the Patriots 17-13. I wish it was 17-13. We're going to lose your stomach <laughs> in 37, but that's all right. That means I get to go first this week at Philadelphia. 
I think when the season first started, this is one of those games. They looked at the calendar. I was like, you know, this is probably a game the Patriots could drop coming off the bye week. Maybe really tough grinding out victory or or loss at the Ravens. Bye week to lick the wounds, going to Philadelphia, Super Bowl hangover, blah, blah, blah. Narrative. They come and they drop the game. Uh, but I think this game means too much for the Patriots, especially coming off the bye week where they had that bad loss. If they were to drop the, the, the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles back-to-back with a bye week in between, uh, I think that would be very telling as to the mental toughness of this team. Maybe their defense is the paper tiger. I think there's a lot of things going on inside the locker room in terms of the internal motivation, the internal monologue that has them very pumped up for this game. So this is a big bounce-back game for the Patriots. Eagles aren't great, as you mentioned, so they should take this one. Something along the lines of Patriots 27, Eagles 16. Ooh, I like that. I mean, I, I agree with that analysis as well. There is definitely a lot of chatter going on there, especially after they're dismantling at the hands of the Ravens. And in my head, there was a little bit of cockiness and lack of urgency from the Patriots defensive side where I want to think that they bought into the hype of being the boogeyman a little bit too much. So I think that the game against the Ravens was absolutely a reality check. I expect them to come out far more focused against this Eagles team. Uh, and so I think that the Patriots get back on track here. And as I said, my, uh, how are the Patriots going to score this week on defense? Jamie Collins, there's going to be a defensive score for the Patriots. Give New England the ability to dictate the pace of the game. I, I, I don't expect a huge game from the Patriots offense, but I would like to see and do think that Mohamed Sanu could get involved a little bit. I expect Julian Edelman to continue to produce as well. Uh, just because Edelman is going to do what Edelman does. And I, I think that the Patriots offense is going to do enough that Collins score is going to push them over the edge. And then the Patriots will be able to kind of sit back and do their whole, uh, play a lot of coverage, do a lot of uh, exotic fronts to fluster Carson Wentz. And I expect the Patriots to win this game, something along the lines of 31 to 13. 31 to 13 is a very comfortable win. And if that is the case, hopefully it's like 17, nothing in the first quarter and we can all relax because I got used to relaxing during Patriots games, Rich Hill and the Baltimore Ravens went and ripped the bandaid right off. And now I'm all tense again. So I'm very happy <laughs> to see you take the mantle back with a, with a correct prediction this week. Oh, absolutely. And I would be thrilled if that was how it played out, but here we are, we are in the final stretch of the 2019 NFL regular season. Alec, do you have any final thoughts before these games kick off? Yeah, man. Week 11. What the hell just happened? It was just April. I'm, I'm getting old, man. This is rough. Oh, well, we're about to embark on a four-game stretch of pretty good games for the Patriots. We will have all the coverage on patspulpit.com. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man. 